Hello and welcome to Dub Nation, your hub for everything Utah Warriors of Major League Rugby. I'm Jerem Jordan alongside Banksy. We've got some draft picks to discuss in the offseason. Look, there's a lot of needs that this team still has to kind of break on through to the championship level. We're close. We'll see how much closer we got when we talk to our guests today. Let's start the show with a shout out to uh, the newest member of Dub Nation, Vaateo. The newly born son of Mikey and Clara Tail. Congratulations to the Tail family. Oh, that's a beautiful baby. Absolutely special to see this warrior family grow, and congratulations to those two on the birth of their baby. Va'a, by the way, in Samoan means uh, ship or canoe. Uh, so that's a it's a very special word and a very uh, traditional word to to be able to give your baby as their first name. No word on exactly which position Va'a will play for the Warriors. <laughs> Probably. He's already been signed to the developmental squad in the, in the Warrior Selects. <laughs> You'll so, see him out with these selects in four years. He'll be he's that good. Two weeks old and can already run a faster 40 meter time than me. <laughs> <laughs> We're live on the uh, Utah Warriors Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube accounts. Subscribe to the podcast version if you want on demand on the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. If you have a comment, fire away. We'll try and get to some of those. The rundown is simple tonight. We're going to talk with Brandon Sparks, the general manager of the Utah Warriors, about the three picks. Joseph Bucky, Connor Burns, and Emerson Pryor were the three picks we are going to learn about tonight. The Utah Warriors just got a little bit better with the addition of those three. And if you want to make sure that you are in for all the action for 2022, make sure you get your season tickets to come see the Utah Warriors play at Zions Bank Stadium and the single greatest home field advantage in Major League Rugby. Make sure you call 801-477-7652 and talk to our ticketing team or just go to warriorsrugby.com. All right, let's bring in the general manager of the Utah Warriors. He was named as much during the year. He was the director of rugby. Bang, he upgrades to the general manager. Brandon, welcome to Dub Nation, man. There's a lot to talk about with these guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me tonight. Uh, first off, congratulations, Mikey and family, on the addition of the new baby. Uh, we'll make sure we'll uh, send a stuffed Koa Panther down there for him. <laughs> which you are a few huge fan fan of uh koa we know <laughs> um okay so you go into the nice shirt by the way yeah you as well yeah yeah um i don't know banks you didn't get the text i guess i'm just not um, one of the i'm not one of the cool kids i'm also wearing a hat <laughs> i like to be different <laughs> hey we, we know you like to be different it's great okay you went into the draft brandon your first is the general manager you had the 11th pick the 12th pick the 24th 37th there was some pre-draft negotiating that had to happen. So walk us through kind of that process to end up with the ninth pick using the 11th and the 12th to get there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we identified early on, and when I say early on, about two years ago, that Joey was likely going to be our guy in this draft and when he wow. declared. Yeah. So, you know, we had a great season. We In the early part of the season, we actually ended up drafting Robbie Petzer during the dispersal draft from Dallas. Uh, Atlanta wanted Robbie, so they traded Robbie uh, to us for their first-round collegiate draft pick. That's how we ended up with 11 and 12 uh, for that, that draft. As the draft went on, we knew that there was about – we knew that there was about three hookers that were going to be taken in that first round. You know, Isaac Bales, Joey – uh, and then it was a toss-up about who would be number three. So as we were getting later and later on, uh, I knew like our little American contingency of teams, NOLA, us, and ATL were all looking at it. And Ryan, you know, luckily answered my phone call. And we were able to work out a, a nice little trade to get number nine. <laughs> Sorry, my giant dog is behind me uh, to get uh, to get uh, 
to get uh, the number nine for the 11. And yeah, we were able to do that. And then we traded our, our second first round pick to Atlanta for some salary cap space. So it worked out quite nicely that we left with the player that we really wanted, uh, as well as some salary cap space. Now, you said this was a kid you identified two years ago, obviously, with your time in the state of Michigan and the development of that program. You've known him since he was a young man and had your eyes on him, right? Uh, actually, no, he didn't really flash across our radar until about two years ago uh, at Club Sevens, um, where he had a really good showing, uh, where he had a good showing. And then obviously, like I went to Western Michigan, so it made it an easy connection to go back and, and just say, hey, you know, coach, who is who is this kid? What's his story? Um, and then we were really impressed to find out that he actually comes from a really strong lineage. Uh, from his high school days, going into college, he received some pretty good recruitment from big rugby programs. He ended up at Western Michigan because, uh, and this is a character, uh, this is a good reference for his character because he actually wanted to be an astronaut, and it's something that he's going to actively wow. work towards once uh, school's over with. So we started to kind of do our digging. Uh, we met him at an ID camp. We met him at an ID camp, and we when we got to talking to him, you know, like, hey, you know, we were honest about his assessment, and we agreed that if he was going to, like, make it the MLR, likely it would be at the hooker position, and that you would need to put on about a 40 additional pounds. Uh, and, you know, credit to the kid, he went away, put on 40 additional pounds, came out here, uh, yeah, came out here for the little pre-draft workout that we had, a little pre-draft workout that he had, and actually um, did a really good job throwing alongside Sama, uh, working with, you know, we had a couple other draftees as well as uh, Yuri Van Vieren was out here, Ali, so on and so forth. So that kind of really sealed the deal after that little pre-draft workout out here in Utah. 40 pounds, they just laid it on like it was nothing. Just peanut like butter sandwiches in the middle of the night or something? Yeah, like you could see here in the film that you're looking at, he looks pretty tr he looks pretty trim there. But if you go back to watch the CRC footage from this past CRC down at NOLA, you'll see the noticeable physical change that occurred in him. And, you know, credit to him, he, it, it showed well at CRC. He was just as physical as some of the top programs. And, 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 you know, again, if you can ask somebody to do that and he does it, it speaks volume to the kid's work ethic. I mean, if you look at the video that we're seeing right now, I kind of see a lot of similarities in his game and what we see out of Sama Malolo. You're talking about a guy that's good and physical at the technical stuff, but that can get around the pitch from left to right and is good with the ball in his hands. That's impressive for a front row. And I think we've kind of come to expect that at this top tier of rugby now from the that hooker position. You've got to be able to get out and run from that front row spot now, right? Yeah, it's essentially a fourth, it's essentially a fourth back row player. You know, with the specialization, with the specialization of being able to throw, you know, and, and, and again, like Joey's lineage of playing for a really strong Chicago program uh, and high school, you know, all of that kind of stuff. He spent a lot of time down at ATL during their uh, college recruitment camps, uh, so on and so forth. Like realistically, he, he probably fits. He probably fits that mold of what Andrew Guerrero was for NOLA last year where he's going to come in, fly underneath the radar because of the school that he went to, and within the next year or two, we'll be talking about him on, on international days. Wow, that's awesome. So you had this guy a while ago. Were you surprised he was kind of still there at nine since you kind of had him on your radar for so long? Uh, a little bit, a, a little bit. I mean, the nice thing is, is like they're starting to become in the, in the league an abundance of American hookers and American scrum halves, which, you know, three years ago you couldn't have even said that. So we kind of went through it and we looked at who was available in the draft and what the team's needs were. 
um, that were picking in front of us. And we felt pretty comfortable. We felt pretty comfortable that he was going to be around that, that seven, that seven and nine spot. Mm-hmm. We know Nola gave him a good hard look. Obviously we know ATL gave him a good hard look and they were trying to move into the first round. Um, so yeah, a little bit surprised. Uh, you know, you could see in the video that I spent a lot of time pacing and that was because I was waiting through eight picks to make sure that our guy was still there. And once I saw that he was at nine, I knew Ryan would, would be interested in uh, helping me out, helping me out in return for a favor later on. So <laughs> It's good to have friends in low places. <laughs> All right. You want to move yeah. on to the next pick? It, it, with the 24 pick, Connor yeah, Burns, are, uh, I mean, yeah. from, from Lindenwood, let's talk about this kid. Uh, an electrifying player, and and I see a quote here, he's the future of the back three. That's pretty heavy to say when you've got the likes of Mikey Tao back there. Yeah, yeah, I, I know it was a bold statement. I know it was a bold statement, but, like, you know, if you look at this kid's – so we, we grade everything on a one through five, and this kid – almost hit all the fives across the board in like the in the in the 37 key areas that we measured for him uh bit surprised to see him fall as far as he did but you know we he was another one that we brought out for pre-draft workout uh he was here he, we were impressed with his boot we were impressed with his passing all the fundamental skills he will need a little bit of um he will need a little bit that's emerson that you're showing uh he will need a little bit of uh cleaning up, uh, getting a little bit bigger. You know, he is at 215, especially to compete in that back in that back three position. But he's going to learn a lot from Mikey, Mika, James, that whole crew right there. And, you know, the fact that we can put him into an environment where he's not going to feel the pressure to be the man right away and, and have the resources around him to learn and, and execute at a very high level is a no-brainer to select this kid at 24. 6'3", you mentioned 215, raised in Reading in the UK. Lindenwood, obviously, this program is is one of the best, if not the best right now, at mm-hmm. uh, producing professional players. So um, what when when did you identify him as a guy that you thought might be a good fit for the Warriors? Uh, he's been on the he's been on the board again for about two years. Uh, so after the last draft, we kind of sat down, worked through all the big, you know, the big programs, and identified who was going to be coming in there as as rising seniors. And he was on that list. Uh, you know, obviously with COVID, uh, with COVID, it made it a little bit harder to track him. But the levels of games that he played through the through the pandemic were exceptional. You know, he played against Life. He played against Navy. He played. Uh, Arkansas State, you know, it's essentially a murderer's row of talent. And, uh, you know, when we talked to Josh, who, you know, credit, there needs to be a significant amount of credit given to Josh Macy as well, too. Like, he is building Rugby U out there, and, like, it is going to be a factory. And it'll be exciting to see, especially it's like these high school kids that have ambitions to play in the MLR and say, like, well, wait a second, only six guys from Lindenwood got there. Maybe I should go there. You know, but when we started to talk to Josh, he told me a story early on in, in Connor's uh, arrival at Lindenwood when he was a freshman, and uh, he had to come off the bench early on, and he had a bit of a rough game. You know, and Josh was like, you know, kid will do two things in that situation, either rise to the occasion or crumble under pressure. And, you know, credit to Connor, he stepped up right away and and, and was the guy that we could count on for the next three years. So, you know, that that right there was one thing that we always look for is in, in our guys is like the character to be successful. And, and he demonstrated that through that coach story. Now, I know we haven't talked about our third pick yet with uh, with Emerson Pryor. We'll get to that in a second. But 
all three of these guys, and I think this speaks to the growth of rugby in North America, and you've obviously had your eye very closely on it. These are kids now that have been exposed to the game, not in college, but kids that have played some of them through grade levels, a lot of experience in high school. So now they're coming through these college ranks with four, five, and six years of rugby experience. How big a difference does that make as you do your scouting in, in a guy's ability to be able to, to read and understand the game with that much more experience now? Yeah. I mean, it's massive. Uh, it, it's, you know, we, I don't, I don't look at like youth rugby is youth rugby and that should always be a gateway into rugby as a whole. And it should be coached differently than the high performance aspect of it. And even the high school level, um, you know, when we're looking at these and we're talking to these guys, like it, it's always an added benefit to see that they've played under U18s. So through high school, so on and so forth. And, you know, that's, that's, you know, maybe two years ago that wouldn't have been high on the list because it wasn't a realistic outcome, but, you know, credit to the grassroots rugby community for them investing more time. Like all the old boys that, you know, we've played against uh, a long time ago that have now, you know, hung up the boots as a player, but then stepped in, picked up the whistle to be a, a coach or even a referee, you know, credit to them for investing in the right, in the right age group, because like my job isn't successful without those guys, you know, doing that to, 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 to progress rugby as a whole, but then the athletes in the program. So yeah, it's a huge uh, factor in a decision. It goes into our decision-making process. We're talking with Brandon Sparks, the general manager of the Utah Warriors. You mentioned uh, the Connor hit, you know, five on almost all the key areas. Did you say 37 key areas? Did I catch that right? I mean, I might be. I, I mean, there there might be more than that. I'm not going to give away all of the, <laughs> the secret sauce, you know. But yeah, there's a significant there's a significant checklist that we work through to make sure that these guys, you know, check the boxes for us. Will you give us a sense of what that checklist is like? Uh, yeah, I'll give you a brief little thing. So, um, you know, the World Cup, the World Cup is a great uh, a great stage and showcase for Tier One and Tier Two talent. So like what we did was we went through and, you know, pretty much took every position's height and weight from every single player. Uh, and we built out just a player profile based on what they looked like. Uh, so what we do a lot of the times is we try to find tier one size uh, from tier two uh, areas. So that could be a country, that could be America, so on and so forth. But uh, yeah, like there is some method to the madness. It's not just, you know, the old fashioned way of like, oh, that kid's good at kicking. So we should definitely pick him. You know, like we, <laughs> that sounds like a little bit of like a money ball mentality here yeah. where you're, you're playing the spreadsheets as much as you're playing the eyeball test. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you you know, it's like, I don't, like, I don't particularly care. Can we can we <laughs> sign your dog as a second rower? Because that animal is huge. What, yeah, we, we might have to. Yeah, we might have, like so. Brief, a complete tangent on the story. But that dog that you're seeing, <laughs> that dog that you're seeing, we rescued as an eight-week-old puppy from a humane society, and they're mm -hmm. like, "Oh yeah, don't worry, he'll be like forty to fifty pounds max." And we're like, "Great, this will be great to have with two young kids, and we can train him to be a lap dog." And now he's 155 pounds and six three on his hind legs. So yeah, we definitely <laughs> we definitely maximized our dollar for pound for that dog. Uh, you know, that was a tier one, tier one size. Tier one, a tier, tier, we tier found one. A, we, yeah, we found a, we found a tier one town in a tier two location. So you, it doesn't just apply to rugby. It applies way to bring it all the way back round. Good yeah. job. <laughs> what, what's your What's your dog's name and what type of dog is it? 
my ma- my wife actually named him Sonny after Sonny Bill Williams, but she's never seen an All Blacks game. I'm not really sure how she how she knew about Sonny. Uh, Instagram. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ladies, if you haven't seen it, just Google him. Okay, yeah. you can thank us later. And guys, whatever. He's a good <laughs> looking dude. It's yeah. fine. I'm okay. I'm willing to admit it. Yeah. So no, yeah, he's a he's an awesome family dog, and he actually he destroys a rugby ball a week. So yeah, he gets it. <laughs> my dog into everything too it's I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh he's yeah he's pooping out plastic i'm like what are you doing stop yeah yeah I know when, he, when we had the baby when we first had the baby he uh took uh her wubby which is like the pacifier and the the stuffed animal on it and i was like don't you do it put it down and he just slurped the thing in like a piece of spaghetti it was the craziest thing i've ever seen like, just, <laughs> like, just, so, so he's got an appetite of a type five or two. So that's yeah, great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tier two, what right. Tier two, what two, kind one. of dog is it? He's a Neapolitan Mastiff King Corso mix. What in the world? He looks yeah, like actually, a great name. Yeah, well, they, they were like, they told us it was a pit bull mix. And like by six months, he was 40 pounds. And we're like, uh. So we ended up getting a dog DNA test because that's what crazy dog people like my wife and I do. So that's how we found out what his uh, breeds were. Wow. That's analyzing crazy. rugby talent, analyzing puppies. It's all the same. Yeah. You're, I was like, I, mean, I had this bright idea where I was like, Oh, I'll put the camera up more. So it faces me square on because usually it's like pointed up towards the ceiling to avoid seeing him. And he was sound asleep. But now that I'm talking, he's, he's up and wants to be a part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But it's our first, uh, you know, dog interaction. Yeah. Right. It's, it's great. Okay. Let's talk about the third pick as well. Uh, 37th pick, third rounder, Emerson Pryor, Trent University, a prop out of Ontario. Mm-hmm. So he's actually not based in Ontario now. He is over with the Pacific Pride in Vancouver, which is uh, the Canadian the Canadian national team's pathway program. Um, so we were actually able to find him there. Uh, I was a bit surprised to see him make it this far. Uh, you know, like speaking of all fives, like he comes in as a five five on his size and weight. Uh, and you know, the film that we saw, he had probably one of the quickest return to action speeds that out of anybody in the draft for a prop, which was really impressive. Uh, you know, he's big, he's physical, uh, and more importantly, he kind of fits our. He, more importantly, he fits what we're trying to do here, which is be you know North American development focused and yeah so it was it was a no-brainer to pick a kid up like that like it's always you know props props and locks at at an mlr are uh, a platinum a platinum level status position and somebody like this is a platinum level player it's like getting a left tackle in american football like that's the kind of guy that you can build an entire platform off of and just an absolute physical specimen who's got good feet. Like you said, his return to action speed was impressive. That that recovery from the tackle area breakdown to getting back on his feet and back in a line or back in an attacking position was incredible to see. You called him the steal of the draft, though. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think there was a prop. You know, again, with it being such a premium position, I don't think that there was a prop that that had the physical tools that he has with the pedigree that he has as well too. Uh, you know, there wasn't any collegiate all American props in this level, but there was a Canadian development player in this, in this, or I'm sorry, in the draft, but there was a Canadian developmental player in this draft and we were able to get him. And the fact that he fell to round three where we were at, uh, yeah, he, I think it was a steal. I think we've maximized our pick to talent level quite well here. 
That's awesome. So to recap, the how'd you feel about the draft as a whole, being able to get these three guys? And and uh, I don't know, with eligibility and, and uh, availability, are all three expected to be involved with the selects this fall or will they show up in the winter? Yeah, we're Connor. Connor and Joey will be with the selects down here. We we did grant Emerson the opportunity to play up in the Pacific Pride through the fall. He'll probably come down for the tail end of the selects, but it's such a strong competition up there that we were comfortable. We were comfortable letting that go. Uh, he actually also is a registered nurse too, so mm-hmm. he wants to work and stay at the hospital for as long as he can, which we were fully in support of. Um, and yeah, so all three of them will be involved in some capacity one way or the other uh but yeah joey will be there and so will connor in the selects program but yeah it'll be they'll be ready to go and in camp so so a lot of these guys obviously fit the bill for what we're looking for with the utah warriors but can we talk about the big gaping hole that's still left in the middle of the type five and you know what what are we kind of looking at to to fix that obviously with aston for leaving don't give away too much i know there's still a lot of guys out there and you know there's a lot of things but it seems like to me the obvious missing piece here uh, that I was hoping to see was a second row or a guy could they could play the four, five, or six, kind of like we saw out of Aston this year. And then uh, Matt, the news with Matt Jensen, which we'll get to in just a little bit here too. Yeah, uh, you know, you're not wrong. Um, you're not wrong. Again, with the premium, again, look, we said the premium positions are lock and prop in the MLR. There's only one kid that kind of fit that measurable for us and Jonah Dietenberger. We actually had him out here during the pre-draft workout as well, too. We really, really liked the kid. Um, I think San Diego made a great selection by selecting him. I think he'll be something special in about two to three years. Uh, but you know, the great thing is about rugby, it's a global sport. So we have a couple lines in the water around the world. And I think uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, you know, Warriors Nation is going to be real happy with what they see we come back. But if you ever need, I can just call a couple of the cousins down at suburbs <laughs> in West Auckland. And, you know, we'll get some we'll get some dudes up here. They'll fill that position for you. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you, never know, man. We, might, yeah, you know, we might have to talk afterwards. So. Shouts, shouts yeah. out to suburbs, boys. Yeah. West Side. <laughs> Okay, with these three specifically, in terms of how quickly you could see them involved, where's the league at and the Utah Warriors at in terms of how quickly a rookie could have an impact? Because we did see Derek Ellingson, the third pick last year, start a couple of games. Yeah, and I think something like, if I remember correctly, I think it was like 16 of the 24 that were drafted last year made appearances this in this past uh, season. And, I, you know, I, to me, if I'm perfectly honest, you know, I'll be – like I thought Mason Coke down there in Austin was my rookie of the year. He was the hooker that was selected in the second round by them from Dartmouth. I thought he did a phenomenal job uh, coming from the program that he did and filling into the role out there. So I think it's, I think it's, as the league grows and more teams come involved, I think it's going to become much more dependent on domestic talent. Uh, you know, for us, for us, you know, we're always going to rely on, on imports to a certain degree. And when we say imports, we mean international players like that will never change in the game of rugby, or at least not for the next decade, you know, but it doesn't mean that we can't start putting young American players into our pathway and helping develop them that, you know, five, six years, the, you know, they're filling in the roles like the Joey's like the Derek's like, you know, Elijah Hayes right now, who, mm-hmm. who didn't see the field this past season. Um, you know, did a great job in the selects, 
you know, credit to Paul, credit to Paul uh, Mullen, who really took Elijah under his wing and mentored him throughout the season. That in in all that hard work that Elijah did away from the field that nobody saw earned him a chance to go up to the World Rugby Academy in Colorado for the next seven weeks to compete and work out there. So I think the plan that we have here in place where when we draft these kids, we're not going to rely on them to be the man right away. And we're going to give them a year or two to kind of grow into that shoe, both physically, mentally, emotionally, uh, is the right way. And, you know, next year we should see a real, a real return on that investment with Elijah, with Derek. And then, you know, into 2023, that's when we should start to see the Connors, the Emersons and the Joey's start to contribute a little bit more. Well, and in your now first, I guess, year as general manager, to your credit, the the team feels like has been built that way with this core of veterans at every key position, whether it's at the front row, whether it's at the loose forward position, whether it's at the centers or the back three, there's an incredible pedigree of rugby IQ there to kind of bring these young kids up. So how has that been for you as a GM to kind of play chess with all of these different moving pieces to get it to all come together that way. Yeah. I mean, the, the players are one thing, but there needs to be, there needs to be a lot of credit given to Sean Pittman and Sean Davies. You know, one thing that, you know, one thing that we always look for in coaches is that they have to be a strong educator. Uh, that's like priority number one. That needs to be the number one characteristic that we look for. And, you know, both of those guys bring in, in such a incredible wealth of experience, but also the ability to communicate that experience. So once we get those kind of guys in place to lead the charge, that's where we start going to these players and trying to identify the guys that are learners uh, that want to be better, but then also, you know, demonstrate certain characteristics like they're a hard worker. There's been something in their life that's shown that they're able to get past adversity and excel and be successful so we go out and find those guys and then we marry them with sean and sean in that educator role and i think that's when you're starting to kind of see us get to a critical math mass going on where you know if we do it right we should never have to rebuild we should always just reload and that's that's the intent of how this team is designed and how sean and i work together to create a team like that and that's exciting because, yes, it feels like what happened last year wasn't a one-off. It was the tip of the iceberg. It was the beginning of what Utah Warriors rugby is actually all about, which is super exciting. So what does the offseason look like now for you and the team as you get ready for 2022? Yeah, uh, the guys are away getting ready. Uh, physically, Matt's done a good job of giving them an off-season program to be ready for. There will be some re-signings. Uh, there will be some re-signings that will be brought out. There will also be some new signings that you'll see. Uh, and then it really all picks back up again once the selects start. You'll start to see some guys coming back from injuries that will play through that uh, to get them ready for the MLR. You'll start to see some of the guys that didn't see a whole lot of field time uh, playing in that to get them ready. You know, it, it, a good example of that, like people are like, oh, you guys are kind of like you did it. It's like, well, no, we, we didn't just do it this season. You know, there was guys like Lance Williams that played through – uh, the selects last fall to get his knee ready. You Alex Tucci is another one. Yeah. yeah. Tommy Tuivau, you know, James Vifali, who who was probably the selects MVP and then got derailed with a slight injury early on in, in the MLR season, but then came on at the end with scoring game-winning tries. So, yeah, like that select season is when we really start to get that critical mass going again. And, you know, Ali is stepping into the coaching role at that selects level, and then he's going to be supported by Vaha as well, which we're giving him two experienced internationals that have been at this level and, and know what it takes to be there. And, and then we've built out a good, uh, you know, 
support staff with uh, Mikey Martinez, who was actually our strength and conditioning intern, will be stepping up to be the SNC lead in or the SNC lead for the selects. Like we're giving these guys the support that they need to be successful and to be prepared to lead into the MLR season. Now, I don't know if you guys follow MLR stats on Instagram, but he had a great uh, he had a great uh, graphic just today where we used the least amount of players this season, which in years past that mm. wasn't the case, and that speaks to the volume of the work that went into preparing for this season with getting these guys game ready, especially coming out of pandemic. Uh, by having them play through the selects, the work that Matt did to physically prepare them, as well as the coaching aspect that Sean and Sean delivered. 34 players used, fewest in the league. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Really interesting. And uh, relatively healthy for the most part, which was a blessing. And, yeah, that's awesome. Well, sweet. Uh, well, congratulations on the draft. Uh, really exciting to talk about these guys. Can't wait to get these guys in town and see them play, two of the three at least, uh, you know, in selects. And we'll see uh, the other, uh, you know, coming up. And uh, you're the new, you're the GM. Midseason got that. Are you feeling comfortable as the guy now? You sound comfortable. Yeah, I mean, in that DOR role, I was doing a lot of the roles. Um, you know, credit to Kimball. Kimball did a really good job of like, you know, giving me just enough, just enough rope where I'd run into the end and be like, ah, what do I do here now? And uh, you know, what do I do here now? And then kind of you know, helped me along. And then, you know, by mid season, he, he felt comfortable enough that like I could take over, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable into the role. And, you know, I have my metrics of what I'm measuring myself against to be successful. And, you know, a lot of it starts with these drafts and like what we do, what we do with them and what we do with the players when we get them here. Well, so far you're, you're close to, or above a five in our opinion. Uh, <laughs> as a we yeah. don't have 37 metrics. We have like three. But, yeah. Is it is it unique? And I, I'll just I'll end with this: Is it unique having a draft because no other country or program has a draft for rugby? It's a very unique and a very American thing. Where normally they play up through their club teams, their yeah. high schools, they go back to their provincial sides and then play up. Where here we have this obsession with like calling dibs. Yeah, and, and yeah, it's a great way. Like for for us as a mostly American coaching and management staff, no, it's not. Now, if you ask some of the other ones that are very international focused, yeah, it's like they're 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 walking into a, a very Martian like experience with the draft idea. Uh, the calling it divs is a great way to put it. But I, I, you know, a lot of people a lot of people are really critical of the draft. You know, like I go on, I'm a lurker on Reddit. Reddit. You know, I, you know, I get tweeted at on Twitter a lot and people are like, oh, like the draft, the draft, the draft. Well, yeah. But at the same time, there's a lot of these kids like, let's be honest with ourselves. Do you really think any, most of the MLR teams would go and look at Western Michigan University for a hooker in the first round? No. You know, and that's like what's important about this draft is it gives players that aren't going to be seen a chance to be seen. You know, and like it, it, it falls more to us on the MLR level to start giving these guys support, like how to create a proper highlight reel, which we have a video about on our Facebook page, how to create a proper CV, which we have a video about on our Facebook page. Like those types of things is where we need to, as a rugby community, to be investing our time or making sure these guys have cameras. Like if there's somebody listening right now that played college rugby and they know that their rugby program doesn't have a video camera, do yourself a favor and them a favor and buy them a video camera because that's where all of this starts from so yeah i hope that more people start to see it as much of a tool to grow rugby and to get involved in the mlr as we do 
Is Joseph Backey the most misnamed player in Major League Rugby now with a guy that's literal last name should denote him for backline play? And yet he's and yet he's a front rower. Yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, yeah, we definitely. Yeah, it's part of the old camouflage, you know. You switch him up, up in the centers every now and then. I'm confused. I don't know yeah. what's going on. Well, through college, like through college, he was an eight man, and he did a great job as an eight man. So, like, yeah, he he's got a boy sneaky good, and he played like every minute at CRC in sevens, which you know, I I know a lot of MLR hookers can't say that. So, yeah, that's gnarly. Well, congratulations on everything. Uh, it's been fun to learn about these guys. Thanks for bringing uh, Sonny onto the show as well. It was great. <laughs> he appreciates it too. It's, it's always great to help grow his fan page on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's Coa the Panthers social media. We're going to have Sonny uh, on social media soon enough. Yeah. Brandon, we appreciate the time, man. And uh, we'll see you in the off season soon enough with the selects. Yep. Take care, guys. Thank you. Okay. Brandon Sparks, general manager of the Utah Warriors. Man, I'm stoked to uh, have these guys a part of the Utah Warriors now. Some great insight from Brandon about the boxes they checked. 37 uh, different boxes to look at on a scale of 1 to 5. But um, Baki, Burns, and Pryor are some guys that sound like they are going to make an impact, if not this next season, the next season, like you said. You know, I think it's development done right, and it's what this entire system has been built on here for the Utah Warriors in making sure that we're not just ready to play now, but we're ready to play season after season after season. And a lot of that is the pathway program locally and then finding the best talent from outside of our bubble to be able to bring in. And obviously the uh, mathematical approach is working to some extent for Brandon Sparks and, and coaches Pittman and Davies in, in identifying these guys and not just, you know, filling out all the lines on the spreadsheet. And like the joke I made was the money ball approach, you know, seeing the guys who yeah. tick, tick all the boxes and have all the averages, but guys that when you look at the film, you go, Oh yeah, there's a lot of growth potential there. And just as much as the physical attributes and rugby are necessary, um, the rugby IQ is an even bigger learning curve for these guys. So the more they can play behind players with experience, which we have here at just about every position in Utah, the the future is really bright for a lot of these young guys. I'm glad another Canadian's on the roster so Fraser Hurst doesn't feel alone. Uh, which is, which is <laughs> Don't feel thing. bad for him. He's fine. <laughs> uh, okay, shout out to Mohamed Azim who's weighing in. Um, also, Julie uh, Winder says, excited to see the selects play this year. Oh, yeah. If you watch Selects play, you're going to see, you know, four to eight dudes that weigh into the first team. So that's going to be fun. And then uh, Michael Omoro, the number one fan of Utah Warriors rugby. Uh, Michael Baska weighing in with the heart emoji. What's up, Michael Baska? Grumhalf weighing in from Newfoundland, which we'll get into in a sec. Canada? What up, okay. Mikey? Always good to see you, kid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Michael Amoro says, great interview. Appreciate it. Wonderful insights into the professionalism we are seeing at the Warriors. Great job. Brandon Sparks has his crap together. Like, he knows what he wants, right? And it's, like, it's rugby. It's a GM. It could be certainly scattered and different and still being – no, no, no. There was a plan. It was well thought out. It was years in the making. I was very impressed by what we just heard from the GM. And, you know, great to have an asset like that in our organization and somebody that's helped build rugby communities and programs from the grassroots level, getting players into the collegiate ranks and now has ties to those college teams, obviously showing up with uh, with some of these draft picks and some of these guys he's been able to identify years in advance of their eligibility, man. It's great to see. Since Michael Basque is still watching, I think, 
let Michael, let us know how uh, camp's going with the Eagles as you guys get ready for Canada this Saturday, which we will uh, get to coming up in our news and notes in just a sec. So continue voting on the Utah Warriors social media for all of the end of season awards. There's been some great moments throughout this season and all the fan voting is still available now. Follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. Check out Utah Warriors if you want to see everything that happened from an action-packed 2021 season. So last time, uh, two weeks ago, we're basically every other week in the offseason, we talked about how the Warriors took off the interim tag. Sean Pittman's the guy, right? He coached the forwards this year. Well, this staff is going to hire a forwards coach to coach the forwards this year. So they are on the lookout for somebody to come in and continue to bring in expert coaching advice and educator, Brandon Sparks kind of uh, told us, right? So I'm looking forward to seeing who that is going into 2022. You know, there's a lot of talent out there. And the nice thing with a coaching position like this is – we can literally search the globe and find the right person for that position. And when you talk about what Coach Pittman has already been able to do with the, the set piece and the forwards work with what Sean Davies has done with the attack, this allows them now to settle back on their specialties in the set piece and defense with Coach Pittman in this particular case and then allow Sean Davies to really just take hold of what our attack looks like and then bring in somebody that can add another layer of dynamic play in the IQ of this Utah forward pack. And remember, the forward pack was the strength of this Utah Warriors team. I mean, everything we do is based on that platform. And then it's the versatility and attacking prowess of our back three that opens up after that. So having another asset and another brain in there in that circle uh, and that brain trust along with Sparks, Pittman, and Davies is going to be so great. And it, look, if you think you got what it takes, you can apply for the job. Go to UtahWarriors.com. The, the job's posted there, man. We're, I do we're, not think, I do not employer, think I have guys. what it takes. Check it out. I am not applying. <laughs> I do not have what it takes. Uh, no pressure, but the other two coaches were Eagles. So there you go. Uh, Peter Neal weighs in. I love the Warriors all the way from Perth, Washington. I thought you were going to say, uh, you know, Perth, Australia is, or, or is that, or is that a province I'm not thinking of? Um, no, or a, all good. All good. WA uh, is Western Australia. Western Australia. Thank you. That's not Washington. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, it's Perth, Australia. Thank you. And it's not Perth. It's Perth. Perth. You got <laughs> to roll Thank it all you. together. <laughs> Peter, Peter, shout out to you all the way from Australia. That's awesome, man. Michael hey, Basket uh, jumping in here with a comment, by the way, about camp. You wanted to know what was going on. Basket yes. says, camp is going well here in the Arctic Circle with Mika <laughs> and Coach Pittman. Looking forward to this weekend's game versus Canada. Hope Warriors Nation is doing well. Nice. Mikey, you've got all of our hopes and dreams with you. Dub Nation is behind you 100%. You and all the boys, man. We're cheering for you as loud as we possibly can here at home, brother. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that we've heard from Michael Baska live on this show all the way from Dublin and now from Newfoundland, Canada, which I think Newfoundland has the 30 minutes difference. They're like on the half hour. It's super weird. Have you heard this? They're I have no not, idea. Like right now, it's not 43 after. It's 13 after in Newfoundland. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's super I've, weird. I don't know that I've ever heard of that before. It's Michael Baska, <laughs> confirm this for us. Confirm this for us. Okay, Brandon Sparks weighs in because we can't just bring him in again. Oh, wait. I don't think that's the total truth, but they have a role, yes. Uh, but our coaches in North America need to do a better job coaching the fundamentals right. Yeah, yeah. 
Amen. And to his comment earlier, the the development of the grassroots rugby, it's getting there with the high school rugby coaches now and that elevation of the game and now through the selects with guys like Ali and and Baha, it's going to get better and better and better as as we continue to develop with the MLR selects pathways program. I hope the, I don't think that's the total truth was about the timing thing in Newfoundland, but anyway. (laughs) Um, Okay, USA at Canada coming up Saturday, September 4th in Newfoundland. Game one of two in World Cup qualifying. Who's there for the Warriors? These four dudes. Sean Pittman is there. Congratulations, Sean, getting the upgrade. Uh, you know, an assistant coach. Mika Kruse, Michael Baska, of course, Paul Mullen. They're all there. Uh, they're going to play Saturday uh, in Canada. They're going to play the next week uh, coming up in Glendale, Colorado. So uh, looking forward to these uh, pair of matches. I think it's been great. It's great to see Paulie back in the in the Stars and Stripes. You know, he's such a big part of what they do on the national team. And then full credit to the seasons that they have and the impact they made, not only for the Warriors, but on that European swing, playing in England and Ireland, both Michael and Mika both had incredible outings and being rewarded for it with the call-up. Now in games that matter most in qualifying for the Rugby World Cup. Go well, boys. Mikey Teo's not in that group. He wouldn't normally, but he had a baby, as we talked about at the beginning. Um, okay. Uh, good luck to the boys coming up Saturday, uh, in Newfoundland. Okay. Joe Mono, other news and notes is running after tearing his ACL during the season. He posted, uh, some videos on Instagram. Good to see him continuing to recover. Use the word running loosely. He's jogging with effect right now. You know, <laughs> you know, you don't want to, you don't want to push it too quick in that recovery, but this is another guy that we're talking about as we push into that selects, uh, season. Joe was an absolute revelation out of the Pathways program, showed out incredibly well during the select season, and then, had he not gotten hurt, might end up being the rookie of the year in Major League Rugby with the season that he was having. So glad to see him getting healthy again and uh, and kind of taking that same long walk back that we saw Lance Williams and, uh, and Alex Tucci take last year in that recovery process. So he's got some guys to look up to, some guys that can help him. I know Maddie with strength and conditioning is probably all over Joe in exactly what he's doing day to day to force that recovery. So uh, we're on your team, Joe, cheering for you, buddy. Good job. To quote Anchorman, I believe it's yogging. Yogging. Uh, Matt Jensen yesterday announced he's retiring. A four-year Utah warrior and mainstay here. Posted on Instagram about it. And uh, congratulations to Matt on a tremendous career. He was a Highland rugby kid, an All-American at BYU, a national champion, and then uh, USA Eagle, and then Utah Warriors, and a huge part of what the Warriors have been doing the last four years. We wish Matt Jensen the best. He was fantastic. Absolute class from Matt. And, uh, you know, choosing now to hang up his boots on his own terms and, and be with his family. Full credit to him for that. A guy that committed 11 years of his life to playing rugby at the top level. Warrior number six, one of the originals for this club. Yeah. Hanging up the boots. OG Matt Jensen. He's never been called that in his life, I, I guarantee. I probably okay, never um, will be again. Another, <laughs> another big, yeah, another big <laughs> piece of news. Super Rugby is rebranded. Um, to what Super Rugby Pacific will uh, you know expand to twelve teams, include two Pacific Island teams. Season will run from the middle of February to the middle of June. What are your thoughts on this and the impact, if any, on Major League Rugby? I don't know that this is going to have a huge impact on Major League Rugby, other than the schedules and the timing. I think match up really well. So now the international schedule as a whole kind of matches between the Northern and Southern Hemisphere. So that's something to look forward to in a lot of top-tier rugby globally going on at the same time. What this does do, though, is invest in these Pacific nations. Now there is a direct flow of income 
to help these developing countries and their programs to have professional level teams in the Pacific, specifically with, with uh, Fiji, Tonga, and Samoa. No longer are these guys feeder nations for New Zealand uh, or for these other super rugby clubs. Now there's going to be a development pathway for them in their home countries that's not just going to help the infrastructure of these island nations, but also some of these players who are literally throwing a ball around on the beach that might be the next best thing in rugby. Now they will have a real opportunity to go and play top tier rugby. And, uh, and this new format brings it to them. I think initially it's definitely going to favor the New Zealand teams who are established and who, who are playing elite level rugby internationally. Um, that system is set up. It's taking that model now and applying it to some of these smaller nations, much like what Major League Rugby is doing for North America right now and allowing it to develop. So it's going to take a lot of years before some of those specific teams are a factor. But there are a lot of guys with a lot of ties directly to these Pacific nations in Sir Michael Jones, former All Black and, and, and Auckland player, and, uh, and so many others that have been begging for this to help their home countries for so long. And it's good to finally see it happen. And the financial investment, not just in the competition, but the financial investment in these rugby communities, their families, and then finally the teams that, that will, they will produce on the field. Yeah, I think it's cool. They're adding the, uh, you know, two Pacific islands there, one of which uh, is in, in Fiji, right? So our producer, Billy, who's Fijian said, I won't have time for sleep watching uh, this league, of course. Uh, and then he said, I, I, I messaged him, who's your team? He said, Fijian Drua now. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Look, is- I'm still an Auckland Blues guy all day. I was there when the Auckland Blues became a team. We used to sit in the terraces at Eden Park and watch games. I've seen Super Rugby Finals there. Going back to the Michael Jones, Sean Fitzpatrick days, Joe Lomu days. You know, just some when you have that much history – in a super rugby club and team and competition, it's going to take a while for everybody else to catch up. I yeah. think with the investment of super rugby now and the different unions in these specific nations, we're going to see an accelerated path for these developing countries to now play elite level rugby. Okay. Do I need to get a super rugby Pacific team or no? No, because like, you already have bad taste. You're a Chelsea soccer fan. <laughs> so you you already pick terrible teams. You have zero credibility when it comes to that. Terrible don't, teams? Don't ruin it by picking what? a super rugby team as well. Wait, Go ahead. Who, be, you know what? Be a Brumbies fan. Go ahead. Do that. Be a Brumbies fan. Uh, why do you like that I'm with Chelsea? Do you have a different team that you like that's a competitor? Or are you just, are you just jealous that we are the European champions? Uh, we're Liverpool fans, so we're not jealous of anything that Chelsea's <laughs> ever done, ever. You never walk wonder, alone in my hey, house, buddy. Hey, how about you, how about you, how about you score a goal of the man for 45 minutes hold left? Hold your head up high. I'll sing the whole thing for you right now, Jerem. I don't care. I feel like you ignored <laughs> the fact that Liverpool couldn't score a goal up a man for an entire half last Sunday against Chelsea. Oh, I'm sorry. We were busy, you know winning the league more than anyone and you know winning the uh european championships over the last couple of years and oh that's right you're a chelsea fan so you only care what have you done for me lately because you've done a year ago man (laughs) that'll do it for us go ahead pick a super rugby team no one cares jerem the gym drew all the way there book it book it like and share this episode of dub nation follow the utah warriors on social media and throughout the season and off-season right here uh, uh, with Dub Nation. We got you covered. We got all the news. We got the access. For Brandon Sparks, Mike Gieselman, Billy the producer, who's now with the Fijian Drua even more than he was before, and Banksy, I'm Jerem Jordan. Go Warriors. <laughs>